Episode 228 Above Ground Podcast. Taking charge with Jackie Latran. Disclaimer. The host of this podcast, Timothy Patrick and Will Foley, are by no means medical professionals. However, having lived experience with mental illness themselves, they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis. By sharing their stories, they hope to create connection. By creating connection, they hope to help you find your purpose. And through purpose, we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the peer perspective. it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley. Will, uh, today we are joined by Jackie Latran, uh, mindset mentor, author, mom, and um, all around self-love, self-confidence, self-esteem, um, you know, bringer of all these things. So hopefully we'll, she'll share some of her wisdom. Awesome. Jackie, thank you very much for joining us this morning. How are you? I am absolutely fantastic. And I think I'm going to change my title to bringing, bringer of all those things. I like, that's pretty good. I like that bringer of all those things. It sounds bringer very, of all those things. Sounds we won't talk about metal. what those things are, but I'm a bringer of all those things. Excellent. Well, why don't we just jump right in and figure out how you became a mindset mentor? Like, how does that start? Yeah, definitely. So I actually started my journey as a nurse practitioner. Um, at 23 years old, I became a nurse practitioner and I loved it. I loved everything about medicine. I loved, you know, prescribing and taking care of my patients. And I loved it so much until I really did not love it at all anymore. <laughs> and the reason I fell out of love for it was that I was seeing, you know, a pattern that was really alarming to me. And that was my patients, the majority of them were seeing me for reproductive health and mental health care, and they are teens. And um, I keep seeing the same teen over and over again for mental health care. And I'm diagnosing and I'm prescribing and I'm refilling medication. I'm adding in a second, I'm adding in third, I'm changing medication, but year in, year out, there they are coming back for more medications. And so it kind of got me to question everything. Um, it actually got me a little bit feeling guilty and a little depressed about the situation because I had a history of depression and anxiety myself. And I knew how hard the struggle was. And I see all of these teens coming in with that. I'm like, there got to be something different. And so I started researching, looking for ways to help my patients. And the more I researched, the more I went out of the science and into the world I've never heard about, the world woo-woo, which now I love. But um, when I first heard about the various methods I use now, like, you know, emotional freedom technique and NLP and, you know, all these various energy healing modality, I totally call BS on it. I'm like, there's no way. It got to be a pill, <laughs> right? Uh, talk about science background from when I was little. Uh, but yeah, little by little, I, I I got more curious and I kept on going for more training, having no clue what I'm going to do with that or how I'm going to integrate that into medicine because that didn't really go together. Um, so I quit my medical practice and became a mindset mentor. And I've been doing that for, gosh, I think 13, 14 years now. So that's got to say something all within itself is that you had this, you know, career in, in most people's minds here in the, the Western world. That's a very successful career, you know, that you've built up and all these years doing it. And then you you kind of leave it behind to pursue this, which is 
again, it's got to it's got to say something pretty loudly for for these different modalities. You know, when you find something that works to give people their power back versus giving them a crutch, I, for me anyway, I just can't go back. It's just awesome. Feel aligned anymore? Do you find that when you say giving people something that works, do you find that that thing, whatever that thing is that works, is it is it entirely different with each individual or is there some commonalities? Well, it's definitely very different in that the stories that we hold on to, the stories we tell ourselves, but the commonality is that really, this, this might blow you away if you haven't heard of my work. Regardless of why a, a client coming to see me, regardless of who you are in this world, if you were really to narrow it down, there are really only four problems when it comes to mental health. You know, and I'm talking about mental health. I'm not talking about psychosis. Psychosis is a different story altogether. But I'm talking about depression. I'm talking about anxiety. I'm talking about people who, you know, have um, sleeping disorders, performance, whatever. It all boils down to four that we all have to some degree, and it comes at us at different times, at different intensity, and some of us are able to shed it a lot quicker. Some of us focus on it way too much and then become trapped in it. Um, but yeah, we are more alike than we think. Will you discuss those four as as the topic you just brought up so people can understand the, the correlation between them? Definitely. And you'll see that, you know, as I mentioned before, you're going to realize how simple my work is. And that's what I love about what I do is we make everything so difficult. We we overcomplicate, overthink everything. And if you break it down to really simple processes that everybody can understand, then everybody can then learn to control their mind, right? Um, the four big things that people are trapped within are really faulty belief. I call them misguided, um, disempowering beliefs. And the four are, I'm not enough. And that could be, you know, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not something enough. And oftentimes, if you have a belief that you're not good enough, you also believe that you're not worthy of something else. I'm not good enough. Therefore, I don't deserve this thing. Third is I'm not loved, or maybe I'm not lovable or both of those. And the fourth is really the biggest one that a lot of people, in fact, you know, if you really to drill it down all the way down, that is the only problem. Um, but when people hear about this fourth one, they're like, no, 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 that, no, that, I, I don't really connect to that until COVID after COVID people can see it a lot easier. And that is, I'm not safe and I'm not safe could be so many different things is I'm not safe to be who I am because if people realize who I am, they won't like me. They won't love me. They won't respect me. I'm not safe to be who I am because people will hurt me physically, emotionally. I'm not safe because things like COVID can happen, uh, financial crisis. I mean, there's just so much. So if you really drill down, that is the biggest belief that we hold that allow all the other negativities to come out. Excellent. I, I would have to agree. We've talked about um, self-love a lot. And I've said in my book and in other areas of conversations that uh, if you lay a solid foundation of self-love, there's not one thing that is going to stop you and bring you down. If you have a, a genuine, unconditional love and and you feel worthy, there's nothing that's going to stop you. I, I feel that in my bones. Um, yeah. One thing I want to say with the, the not safe, um, I feel like there's also there could be like some nervous system issues in there because we could feel not safe, even though 
we may be safe, but our nervous system is telling us that we're not stay safe. So that physiological response, I guess. Oh, completely, completely. And our thoughts and our feelings will direct those too, right? And we're talking also conscious and subconscious. So consciously, we might know, okay, we're sitting here in our living room watching a movie and we're perfectly safe, but we're watching a scary movie and everything on the screen is, I'm not safe. And your heart is pounding out of your chest and you might be sweating and you might be like covering your eyes with your blanket. You're sitting on your living room sofa, completely safe. But our mind doesn't know that because our mind doesn't know the truth between what's real and what's imagined. And yeah, you're like, yep, I know that one. And so, yeah, our body will respond physiologically to what our mind and our emotion is telling us. Agree. What is a good technique for us to get into our bodies, for us to start exploring those feelings that we're to see if they're false or not? You know, uh, there's that's a really big question. Um, one simple thing I like to do first is quiet the mind. Because unless you start to quiet the mind, those thoughts are just going to go left and right. Because the way the subconscious mind works is that once you're on a thought, that is basically a command to your mind. I want more of the same thing. And so if you're in this thought of I'm not worthy and these are all the things that I've done to make that my reality. And, you know, maybe I was just born into this unworthy life. It's going to be really hard to try to challenge that when those thoughts are rapidly firing, right? So step one is really getting back to that space where you have a moment to just breathe. And the exercise I talk about in my book, I would, but my damn mind won't let me, is called choosing calm. It's incredibly simple. Anybody can use it. It is highly effective. And the reason why it is so effective and so easy to use is because you are the boss of your mind. And you get to tell your mind what to focus on. Again, the problem is when you have an emotion, a thought, your mind believes that that's what you want. And it keeps running that same thing until you tell it, uh-uh, no, 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 no. What I really mean is, and so here it is, it's, it's super simple. First thing you want to do is recognize what emotion you are feeling. So you might be thinking that you're unworthy, but what is the feeling? Are you sad? Are you frustrated? Are you angry? Are you hurt? Are you scared? Are you hopeless? identify the emotion attached to the thought, and then tell yourself. I mean, a lot of us, we get so afraid of the feeling, right? Oh, I don't feel bad, and that's not me, and we try to push it away. But identify it and be willing to call it out. Once you call it out, you take so much of that power away, so that 300-pound that elephant in the room, right? Oh, a 300-pound elephant would be teeny. But anyway, <laughs> besides the point... <laughs> <laughs> we'll um, say 3,000 pound even that might be a little we'll say 3,000 pound uh what uh rock there okay. we go and you know a lot of, <laughs> a lot of my clients do mention that their emotion feels like a 3,000 pound whatever right so identify the emotion admit that that is what you are experiencing in this very moment and be willing to address it so let's say you're thinking you're unworthy and you're feeling extremely sad so you identify the emotions so say to yourself either out loud you're by yourself or in a place that is safe and comfortable for you or in your head is fine even though i feel sad i choose to be calm now say i choose to become three times to kind of warm yourself up and get your mind you know on the same track with you and then start repeating i am calm i am calm i am calm over and over and over again and use the calming voice that you have if you're like, I am calm, I am calm, I am calm, then you're not going to get there. <laughs> and to 
allow your mind to get there even quicker. Imagine yourself fully use all your senses and imagine yourself doing something that brings you calmness. If it's walking on the beach, imagine yourself there. You know, smell the salt in the air, feel the sand between your toes, hear the wave crashing, see that bird, hear that bird flying overhead. Bring in as many senses as you can. And what that does is, is tell your mind, even though I feel sad, I choose to be calm. Calm looks like this. This is the experience I want. Give it to me. It is a very simple instruction for the mind. And the subconscious mind is created to obey you, obey your command. But it also misinterpret commands often because, again, every thought you have, every feeling you have, your mind take that as a command. This is what I want. Give me more. So stop that train, get to that space of calmness. Now, when I first teach this, people love it because it works well. I mean, if your mind has been racing constantly and you have this simple tool that actually allow you to have just a space, right, uh, of calmness, they get excited, but then they get frustrated soon after. It doesn't last. Well, you've been practicing anxiety, sadness, you know, every other negative emotion that you no longer want. You've been practicing that all day for many, many, many years. And now you're practicing a new skill. So you have to continue the practice. It's not a one time and boom, there you are, you know. And I even tell my clients that you might go into a space, okay, you're sad and you choose calm and now you're calm for a minute. And now you're sad again, choose calm again. And maybe this time it lasts a little bit longer. And now you're back to sad again, choose calm again. Is that practice. And the more you practice, the more muscle memory you build, the more your mind is able to go there quickly uh, so that you can really take control of your mind. That's awesome. That That's very awesome. I, thank you for that. Um, so we all have a choice, right? We can choose. And I think that's, that's the biggest power that we don't realize we have. I, we, I agree. <laughs> I agree. We get stuck. We get stuck. Like you said, once you get into those, you know, that rumination, that negative self-talk that, you know, that inner core negative belief and you start believing it, like you said, we practice this stuff, you know, 30 years of our life, we practice this stuff. And when something new comes in, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a gut punch. <laughs> yes. It takes practice, right? I mean, like, yeah. We talked about just now, it's all about practicing. We practice those negative thoughts. We practice those negative actions. So it's okay to also decide to practice what really benefits you. Yeah, we always, we heard the negative things and we ingested them and they became part of who we were over us over a course of amount of time and without even recognizing them. What do you, That's do, true. Is, there, is, there a, is there a reason why we may not recognize them? Is it because that they come at us from, like our caregivers net or is it because they come at us from our peers? Like, is there, is there a particular direction that this kind of comes from? Yeah, it actually comes from our internal filtering system. So once a belief is created, your subconscious mind is constantly looking for evidence to support that. And the only thing that it really pay attention are the thing that matches your beliefs. So if you are, you know, if you hold a belief of I'm a horrible person, right? Someone come up to you and say, oh my gosh, that was the most amazing thing you did. I so appreciate you. You're not going to hear that. Or if you hear it, you're going to like look around, <laughs> who are they talking to? That's not me. Or you might get really afraid and think, oh my gosh, now I have to live up to that because if they know the truth of who I am, they're going to reject me, right? So your subconscious mind is constantly filtering things, looking for things that matches your beliefs. 
And that's the only thing you see. It's almost like whatever you believe you have, that glasses on that can only see that. And of course, that's going to build up over time, right? You're going to get mountains and mountains of evidence of your beliefs. And that's why, you know, we can have a, a very logical conversation with someone we like and trust and maybe even respect. And we can't for the life of us see why they can't see what we think, right? We're sharing all the details, all the logic, all the studies. And they're still like, no, I have these other things because our mind can only filter what it is that we believe unless we retrain it to accept something new. That was a good line. That was that's a good line. You know, all this talk about uh, the way we speak to ourselves and, and the beliefs, it reminds me of um, and I don't know if it was an actual Bruce Lee quote, but it, he's always associated with is don't don't speak negatively about yourself. Even as a joke, your body doesn't know the difference. You know, when you change the way you speak about yourself, you can change your life, basically. I, and I truly believe that, except yeah. the problem with what you just said in the very beginning, it gave your mind a very confusing command. Shall we analyze that? <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. So you said, uh, tell me again what the quote was. Uh, I don't know it was ver verbatim. It's, it's, don't speak, like, negative don't speak negatively about yourself, even as a joke. Okay. You know, so like you, I, I, it kind of, when you just said like, Cause I, I've, I mean, I'm sure we've all done it at some point, but I know like I, I've done it in the past when I was, I'm trying to change. Like I, when I speak about like mental health challenges, a lot of people say I have depression or I say I live with depression. I live with anxiety. I, 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 you know, live with mental health challenges, kind of the way we speak to ourselves. But if I make a mistake, you know, 10 years ago, or whatever, I'd be like, Oh, I'm so dumb. Right. I'm horrible at this. Like we've all been there, but that, you know, adds up and, but that's where I was going with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being a little bit <laughs> technical and it might be more technical, but it is so incredibly key. I think this is not something that is taught widely. And I think it is incredibly easy that can change really the trajectory of how you see yourself and how you see the world. And once you understand how you can command your mind more effectively, the light bulbs go on. You're like, oh crap, no wonder I had that experience because I gave it the opposite command. So here's the thing about the subconscious mind. In order for it to bring you what it is that you are looking for, it has to be able to make some sort of visual representation. It has to basically make a picture, a movie of the thing you just said, right? Now, your mind cannot make negative pictures. It can't make pictures of don't, not, and stuff like that. So I'll give you guys an example right now. If I, I'm going to give you a command, and I want you to make that picture in your mind, okay? Ready? Don't think of an orange elephant. <laughs> what popped up? The orange elephant. The orange elephant, but I said don't. I know. Right? The yeah. command was don't, but your mind cannot make a picture of a don't, so it will ignore the don't, and it will hear orange elephant. And of course, it popped an orange elephant into your mind. So when you say, don't talk about yourself negatively, your mind here, oh, talk about yourself negatively. Gotcha. Gotcha. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be upset. So it's the way you say it too, the way you say things. Oh, for sure. It's the command, you know? I mean, I think about okay. search. If you want something, you have to be specific of what you want, right? If you go into Google and you say, don't, you know, don't find me blue cars. What are, what's coming up? Blue cars, <laughs> right. Blue cars and a bunch of things that are not blue cars. Right, yep. But it doesn't know what you want. So you have to focus on the end thing that you want. Speak positively about yourself. 
speak kindly about yourself, right? Super simple, but it's just a minor little nuance that can make a huge difference. Oh, no, I fully agree with that. Um, I want to kind of go back to uh, self-love, self-confidence, self-esteem, just because this is something that I have kind of struggled with in the past. And I'm kind of curious on your take as far as the difference between like self-confidence, self-esteem. Is there is there a, like a big difference between the two? Or are they kind of always connected? I think they're connected, but I think there is, again, that nuance, right? Self-esteem is how much do you like yourself? And self-confidence, how much do you believe in your ability? I might believe that I am an expert tennis player, but I hate myself, right? That's self-esteem and self-confidence right there. And Perfect a lot of, example. That was awesome. <laughs> and a lot of people do get trapped in that. They, they, they feel confident in their role of something external, but then when they look at themselves as an individual, as a human being, they don't like themselves. They don't. Where does that disconnect come from? It's those beliefs, the four beliefs, right? Yeah. So most of the beliefs that, you know, we all hold now came from the time before we turned seven years old and before seven are seven. <laughs> even even like I'm 51 years old. Am I still dealing with this stuff? Stuff I well, I am still dealing with this stuff because that's what we talk about on the podcast every week. So yeah, for sure. We all are. There, there's nobody on earth that isn't, right? Um, well, maybe there's one. <laughs> Someone who is incredibly enlightened. I have not met that person. I've not yeah, heard of that person. But yeah, that's the person that was, you know, that was the person that was raised to love themselves and has that perfect, you know. But even them, so. that, though, you know, you know, I have a lot of clients who come in from perfect families, and I mean, really good families, right? They are well to do, they have all the things that they need, they have parents that care about them and love the heck out of them. But there might be that person at school, that teacher, right? Or just even, you know, this is one of the things that, that people don't really understand. Like when children are growing up, before I go into that story, remind me of that story. But before I go into that, I want to bring back the um, our beliefs were created between birth to seven years old. And that's because our conscious, logical mind wasn't developed yet. So we don't have the ability and the frame of reference to say, no, that's not true because I know this and I've been taught this, right? We're just like big old sponges absorbing everything. And if something happens repeatedly, we will, we would believe that that's the truth. If we hear something repeatedly, we will believe that that's the truth. Or even just one incidence, one significant emotional event can cause beliefs creation, right? So a really drastic example would be, you know, like, oh, I don't know, a little child being in a car accident. I mean, they were feeling safe. Mom and dad loves them. They have a beautiful home. They have everything they want. But now this car crash and maybe something happened to one of the parents or even themselves or just the sheer jolt of the sound of the crushing of the move of the, all of that. So it's our life, life experiences really is what it kind of boils down to is a variable. Yeah. But we're talking about significant emotional event that can one time event can create tons of beliefs that will carry with you for the rest of your life or lower intensity events that really don't have that significance, but it just kept keep happening over and over again beliefs will get created right so now i was going to tell a story what was that about <laughs> i think the teacher or something like would they had something to do with like a teacher or no i don't know but i'm going to create a different story now all right go ahead <laughs> go ahead run with it okay so we're, we're talking about you know again this is most loving family right and this four-year-old five-year-old 
come from everything that is just amazing. But they hear mom and dad fight. And mom and dad fight about money, even though they have everything they need. But dad is always, you know, I have to be at work because I have to support you, you know, this family. Do you think it's easy to make money? And mom is like, but you don't love us. You're never here for us. And they, the kid hear that. Maybe it's a calm conversation between the parents, but it's a constant conversation. Maybe he's yelling and screaming and throwing things around. And even though it was not directed at the kid, the kid can start creating beliefs from what it hear and experience and now think money's really difficult to, to make. And maybe dad doesn't love us because dad is never around, you know? So it's, it's amazing that what our subconscious mind will, will do with information around us, it always personalize and internalize it to become something about us when oftentimes it's really has nothing to do with us. Is that a defense mechanism? It is. It is for sure because the subconscious mind biggest job is to keep you safe. Okay. And so safe that, that is a legit defense mechanism then for Yes, but here's the thing safe doesn't really mean safe. Safe just means do not change. Ah. Right. So, say, yes. Right. Because yes. the mind doesn't That's know the keep... difference between safety of of safety of anything. So yeah, I could see that. Okay. I think it deals with like <laughs> I the, can see that. The safety comes with like what we know. Right. It's that's like this whole self-sabotage thing. Like, I'm not going to go out and, and try something new. I'm not going to go write a book because I've never done it. I don't know anything about it. So, you know what I mean? I'm going to be safe over here and watch mm -hmm. other people write a book. Right. But the whole book thing, that's a good example. It's it go be beyond. I've never written a book. It's what are people going to think about it? Because I'm yeah, really oh, yeah, yeah. Enough, right. It go back yep. to that. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve. Right. Like <laughs> yes. I, I believe me. I had all those. And I think it it. In my head, I just related it back to, like you said, that one car crash, that one traumatic incident is going to bloom all of these other thoughts off that one incident. So, yes. So the the, the original thought, whatever it may be, it's going to blossom into, you know, like, as you say, all that those faulty beliefs. Yes. Yes. Again, because once that first one get developed, then your subconscious mind is now constantly looking for evidence to support that. So that belief will only grow bigger and bigger and bigger. You said oh. the you, you said earlier the the subconscious mind isn't really developed until seven. Is that what? fully developed? Fully the developed. Conscious, the conscious mind. Okay. So the conscious mind is our thinking logical mind, the one that has free will to make decision. That's the conscious mind. And as a child, that part is starting to function, but it doesn't work fully yet. That's why kids believe in Easter Bunny, and the Santa Claus, and the Tooth Fairy, and everything else, right? But as they get older, they start to question it because now they go, well. I saw that red suit in dad's closet, <laughs> you know, I, I saw the present that Santa gave me in mom's purse <laughs> and, and they started to put two to, and two together. That's a conscious, logical reasoning thing. The subconscious mind is reactive, is automatic. And thank goodness for that, because if we don't, if we have to actually take control of our subconscious mind and do the function of our subconscious mind, I don't think humanity would be okay. <laughs> I don't know. I think you might be right on that one. <laughs> Imagine like Eric, I have to purposely think, breathe now, Jackie. <laughs> okay, liver, do your thing and process all the right? I mean, right? God. We ever had to think about all those processes, we would never get out of bed in the morning. Most no. of us, most <laughs> of us wouldn't. No. <laughs> Let everybody know where we can find Jackie. <laughs> Definitely. So uh I'm an author. I have six books for teen girls. And the one that is my bestseller is called I Would, But My Damn Mind Won't Let Me. 
I do get some pushback for the title, but you know what? If you give a kid a book they won't read, they won't touch, it's not going to help, right? So that title was actually voted on by my teen advisory group. They loved it and it's been doing well. It's been a bestseller for a long time. Um, and so I got so many requests to make a boy's version. So now I have the I would, but my damn mind won't let me in a boy version. And then I get adults asking, well, what about us adults? We need the same help. So I just released the adult version. So that's congratulations. Thank you. Um, the same book is writ rewritten for teen girls, teen boys, and for adults. And if you like what we talked about with the four beliefs and how our mind works, that is what the book is. It really breaks it down. And the adult version, I think, um, unfortunately for the teens, that's the better version, the adult version, because uh, I wrote that last and I incorporate more activities. I, you know, took feedback from readers and incorporate that into the adult book more. So there's self-reflection questions and ways to go deeper. Um, but even with the teen books and the adult books, there is the companion journal that once you read the book and understand the concept, if you do nothing about it, you know, nothing's going to change. So I created these guided journal to really help you practice those new skills. And I have, you know, new um, activities I teach in the journals, as well as here's a 21 day plan. Let's work on this plan. Let's learn how to control your mind and, you know, taking through simple processes that anyone can do that really will create a huge shift, you know, in the 21 days that they're working on themselves. And um, you can find all of that on Amazon. Just look up Jackie Latran or look up My Damn Mind. If you look up My Damn Mind, you'll see it all. Ah, I love it. That's awesome. That's a great title too. Thank you. And then yeah, I love nothing it. like making them want to read it by doing that. Just like just like we did when we were kids at the record ratings. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> parental advisory oh, parental advisory that's oh that's the one i want <laughs> yeah they might get disappointed looking in there like where, where, where's the rest of the cuss words because they're <laughs> you know my goal is really about teaching simplifying this whole process because there are so many mindset books out there there are so many self-love self self-confidence books and a lot of them give you like things to do but it doesn't explain why and you awesome. can do all of these things, but if you don't understand the why, and that that nuance about the don't is so huge, right? Right. And exercise about calming your mind is so simple, but if you're not taught that and you're just taught like affirmation, say these wonderful things and everything will change. Well, how does it work? And what do you do when it doesn't work? And how do you do it properly? I love it. That's, I love it. I love it, really. I, I That's one of the, the things that kind of pushed me us to do this podcast and push me to write my book is because you always hear these things like you know i'll listen to podcasts like yes and they and they speak so gently and softly and say these affirmations in the morning and you're like some of us can't some of us are at a, a level that we can't even think of five positive things about us to say you know so i'm more in the mechanical mind like what what's behind it like and then once i understand what's behind it that will further that opening to understanding why what the affirmations will be and why i have to do them so so for that that's awesome thank you so much for doing that because i think it's huge also the 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 you do the um, girls you do the boys and the the adults because i feel like a lot of the there's a lot of stuff in mental health that is geared towards women and not so much as boys or men so i like to see that um, I guess, equality across the board with it because, you know, we all have mental health. Yes. And like we talked about in the beginning, we're more similar than we are different. The story exactly. 
the beliefs. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Our stories are different. Our situations are different, but that, that initial root, you know, is, mm-hmm. is very, it, there's, there's a lot of similarities. Absolutely. That's awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. And, um, you know, please go out and buy Jackie's books. Now, does the, does the journaling book, is that separate or does that come with the book or you have to get that separate? It's separate because I want okay. to for the option of some people just aren't not, they're not ready to dive in just yet. So I want to give them the option and it's available in ebook form and paperback, hard cop, um, hardcover. You know, I, I want to give as many options as possible. Audiobook? Yes. For the books, not the journals. Okay. Awesome. The journal wouldn't make sense. 21 days of the exact yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I think journaling now, let me ask you this really quick before we hop into the questions. Did, was journaling something that helped you with your process? Oh, I have to come back to share that journaling story that saved my son's life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Journaling is something that I've always done, but I didn't realize, you know, I was writing in my diary. It was, you know, journaling, that term did not exist for me until I was an adult. But I used to write in my diary all the time until my mother read my diary. And I said, I'm never writing my thoughts down again because that was, I was just so vulnerable. But then as a teenage girl, I got pregnant. I got pregnant at 16 and I was scared out of my mind. And, you know, I don't know why, but that day I decided to write a letter to my unborn child. Oh, that's and amazing. In that, in that letter is the healing occur. I mean, like, before writing that letter, I was actually writing an apology letter to my unborn child for the abortion I was going to have. In the process of writing that letter, I reclaimed myself and realized I don't have a lot to give, but I have love. And from that, I'm, I'm like still in tears <laughs> thinking about it because it that was so- That is so amazing. Oh, that's, he- that's heavy. Thank you for it, sharing that. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. If you allow yourself to just be real and raw and just let the words come out, you will be amazed by how much healing that can happen. I agree. Um, yeah. So definitely journal free, write, you know, get a guided um, thing. If you need help, go online and just ask, you know, do a Google search about what are some great prompts to, you know, get to know myself better or, or develop self. Do a specific Google search though. <laughs> or now we have chat GPT. <laughs> we have AI to help us. So there's a lot you can do, but yeah, journaling will, uh, there's so many studies that, that discover there's a connection when you actually write things physically with, you know, your hand and a pen. Scientific. Yes. It's, Will's yeah. talked about that quite a bit. Yeah. we it's, yes. You process it in the, on the other side of the brain. Yes. You really get to the core of things. So if you're journaling, go ahead and do that, you know, manually, mechanically, rather than typing it in. Um, typing it in is still okay. It's, it's better than doing nothing. It's still a self-reflective process. But the act of journaling allow you to pull things out of you that you had no clue even existed. That's and that's why my son is 34. And I have a wow. beautiful granddaughter that I might not have had. Thank you very much for being here with us this morning, though. So yeah. as we wrap up, Timmy, I don't know where you want to start with this one, because I know the next question, I have something completely different, too. So I do. Too. I do, too. Um, and you kind of actually you kind of actually touched on this a bit um, earlier in the conversation, which kind of sparked the sparked the question for me. Who is the, the commander of the conscious or the subconscious? Well, you are the commander of the conscious mind and the conscious mind actually is the boss of the subconscious mind 
but we've been a lazy boss. We've been letting our employee just do whatever they want. So we have to start again to realize, okay, I'm in charge and I need to take charge. This is my life. This is the one life I have and I do have control. Awesome. Thank you. And actually, my question actually piggybacks on this probably better than I could have ever imagined with that, because we're talking about um, when our minds become part of us and how we can control the subconscious mind. And I realized my journey when I hit puberty, my mind just got completely crazy when my hormones started raging. Can you give us a little bit of an explanation briefly about the disconnect and the reconnection that happens in puberty as for boys and girls, like, because it seems like puberty seems to be a very heavy time for everyone. And it seems to be that a lot of like serious mental illnesses come out at that time during those times. Is there such a blow up inside of yourself that the hormones create some of these things and these patterns, and then they just exacerbate the negative patterns? That is an incredibly cool question. And there's another podcast show by itself, right? So we'll do just the nickel version of that. Of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> we'll, we'll do the nickel version of that. And, you know, there are just so many things happening at once, right? When you are a child, the expectation of you are, is different than when you are a teenager. So as a little kid, you know, like if you are hungry, and you don't know how to express yourself and you're throwing a tantrum. Well, mom and dad might be kind of upset about it, but they don't discipline you the same way as when you're a teenager and you react badly to something that you don't know how to manage. So it's really about self-regulation for the teenager. They have all of these expectations pile on themselves. They have their own expectation on top of that. They have all the friends and all of the social media on top of that. So they just, they're always on teens, especially nowadays, they're always on. Us, when we're teenagers, when we leave school on Friday, we have the weekend. When we leave school any day of the week, we have the evening. Kids now don't have that. They're on constantly. They're like worrying about what's going on in social media. And, you know, how do I do some management to protect my ego and my, my standing in my friendship circle, right? So there's just so much of that going on. So they're constantly bombarded by that. They don't have the enough history, enough know-how to manage themselves. They were a kid and now they have all these expectations and now the consequences are completely different and they, they're just confused. And now here's the thing too about teens, they live in the moment, that's what they know. They're not thinking about consequences in the future. And now parents have more expectation of, my teen has to do so well in school to get into the right college, to get the right career and all of this stuff, right? And the teens are like, I just want to hang out with my buddies. I want to play video game. You know, this college thing, that's years away. I, why am I thinking about that? They don't understand that. And also at that time too is a time for them to start questioning, you know, the values that they've been taught and really about coming into themselves. So they're not going to listen to everything mom and dad said like they did before. They're going to listen to their friends more. They're going to listen to what's popular in music on TV. And so now they have all of these things coming at them and they might be contradicting what they've been taught. And it's just a whirlwind of stuff. Right. And so, yeah, there are just too many things happening all at once and they don't have the emotional ability to regulate all of that. And then that's when the, the negative belief that were created before get even stronger because there's more evidence of that now. On the on the other flip side of this, some some parents may 
want to do good and want the best for their child. And, 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 but that pressure, as you're saying is, is going to have adverse effects. Oh, for sure. For sure. In my practice, I see really high performing kids coming from amazing families and they really, the parents are doing it out of love and they might even approach it from a place of love, but that pressure. But is it from a place of love or is it from a place of the parents still trying to fix themselves? Cause I got to say, I I, got to say this and it's true, man. Like there's a lot of unregulated parents walking around this planet right now that think that they know what they're doing and think they know they're doing the best and they're not. I'm sorry. You may think you are, but it's like, is it really your best though? So, you know, you're a hundred percent on that. Um, We believe that that is our love, right? Because we struggle. We don't want our children to struggle. So that surface is from love. But what we're really doing is reliving our youth and trying. We're really fixing our pain, right? Yes. But again, you know, it's really because we went through that pain and we don't want our children to suffer. And so we're doing what we can to avoid that pain. But that's not the path of that child. And we're trying to make a mini me or a mini us. And that can completely invalidate the child and create so many more problems. Well, we don't, it's taken a very long time to realize this. And Dr. Shafali Tabari wrote a book called Conscious Parenting. And she talks about, and and, um, Khalil Gibran wrote about this in The Prophet, about how your kids are born of you, but they're born through you, but they're not of you. Or however he put it exactly. And it's beautiful because the truth is, and we forget this, we put kids on the planet for selfish reasons. Most of the time, most of the time it's, you know, we think we want to raise a family or not selfish reasons, but we do it for our own reasons, whatever those reasons are. But we think that they're there to serve your purpose and they're not. And it's very hard for us to separate that sometimes, especially when it's us who you know constantly pays the bill like does all the things that parents do without and it's 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 a difficult it's a difficult role to separate yourself from the the actual like you know just holding on too tight part of it it goes back to those four beliefs right because a lot of parents we have children to fulfill our own needs of love or other needs of whatever that needs might be and now we look through, or we look at our kids as an opportunity to prove ourselves. I mean, we don't think that, but that's how the subconscious mind is programmed. My child is doing so good. Therefore, I'm an amazing mother. Therefore, I'm a good person. Therefore, I'm worthy. <laughs> oh, you laugh. <laughs> it's true. I see it. I see it. I, I, I try to intentionally try to switch my thinking up and, and, and think that everyone's just doing the best they can. And I think we are with the, yeah, I really do in that moment based on the lens that we are wearing in that very second, we take up that lens in another moment. We have a different feeling. We can look at the situation and go, Ew. right. So yeah. it's always about, we're doing the best we can with the information we have and the resources we have in that moment. And a day later, it could be completely different. A month later, it could be completely different. All right. So we have one quick question to wrap up. If there was something that you could do or that you would like to see done for mental health as a whole, what would it be? You know, we actually tried this um, and it did not work. And I'm really disappointed that it didn't work. So I was part of a team of, I don't remember how many people, 30, 50 people, a professional working in the fields that I work in. And we worked really hard to bring life skills to elementary school. And, you know, things that... We That's know. mine too. 
<laughs> I agree a hundred percent, whether it didn't work for you or not. I agree. It will, we got to keep trying. Yes. Yes. It's definitely really important because those are the foundation of, of humanity, right? It's really getting us to the space of being in a place where we actually care about ourselves and care about other people and, and work to evolve rather than being this negative things with, you know, me against you kind of situation. So that would be my big wish is being able to bring these skills to the younger generation from the get-go to set them up really solid and let this just let them bloom. Is it is it a matter of what age though that we start trying to teach these at? Because is it maybe that when they're so young, maybe because again, like a lot of us just want, like you said earlier, you touched upon this where as a kid, you just want to be left alone. You want to play. So is there a particular time when this is better to introduce rather than integrate trying it, to... integrate it as play, integrate it as play, age appropriate stuff and integrate it as play, make it so it's not learning, make it so that this is, I'm being kind to, to, to my student friend over here. I'm being kind to my peer and Hey, you know what? Do you want some water? I'm going to do this. You have to, as we always know, you have to do by example, you know, be the change that you want to be enough talk, enough, you know, board meetings with 30, 40 people making, you know, six figures enough, like, let's get to it and let's make it work. That's how I'm sorry. I had to say it. It's that's how I feel very strongly about it. Cause this is something that I'm very passionate about. And I think what Jackie, your answer is perfect. This is the foundation. There's not going to be, you know, after, you know, cycles and cycles of this and after it working and generations, there's not going to be any of this other stuff. There's going to be no need for anti-bullying campaigns because no, it's not even going to be a thought in anybody's mind. You're going to have these emotional skills to, to be able and communicate, to be able to, you know, to work out a, a situation, you know, any kind of conflict resolution skills, you know, further on down the line. But yeah, I don't even want to get into it, but I feel strongly about it. Yes, integrating it from the get-go, from the time they're little babies, you know, be aware of how you're talking to yourself and other people when your child is around. They hear you, they listen to you, they watch your body language, right? Now, taking that a step further is take care of you. Most of us, we never took care of ourselves. So that program that we have is still very highly negative and reactive. So to be the best parents who usher in this new generation, work on you. I love it. Work on you. Work on you. Right, people, work on you. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it has been a pleasure. Um, don't forget, you can check out Jackie on Amazon. Please look up. Tell them the title again, because I just love hearing you say it. It's awesome. <laughs> I would, but my damn mind won't let me. I would, but my damn mind won't let me. That's right. Boys, on. girls, and boys, girls, and adult versions now. Love it. Love it. Yes. Great. Love it. Thank we you, Jackie. We that and felt that, didn't we? <laughs> As we did. <laughs> I still feel like that now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me on it. It's been really, really fun. All right, yes, Timmy. Sir. Until next week, man. Get well. Be uh, safe. Stay. Right. Above. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for giving us a listen. New episodes every Wednesday. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can share, rate, review, and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Other ways to support the show? Follow us on social media. Share the content. Share our episodes. You can also buy us a coffee 
at buymeacoffee.com forward slash above ground pod. For further concerns, show ideas, or just to say hi, you can email us at above ground podcast at gmail. Once again, thank you for listening and supporting mental health. Keep the conversation going and stay above.